grand fanfare welcome to our podcast, Keeping Up With The Windsors, dedicated to the royal family. Each episode will be crammed to the rafters with opinions, news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of Windsor. With your hosts and royal fangirls, Rachel Andrews and Michelle Thole. So grab yourself a cuppa, straighten up your tiara, shine your knighthood, round up your corgis and let's keep up with the Windsors. So I think there was an um, interview that happened this week, wasn't there? I don't know what you're going on about, Rach. Wasn't there? <laughs> something, 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 kind of, something kind of big happened this week, I think. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. My name is Michelle Thole. And I'm Rachel Andrews. Yeah, and we will be talking about that interview with Oprah Winfrey. Oh, a lot to unpack. A lot, a lot, a lot to unpack. I mean, yeah, it was... It was um, pretty intense, I would say, was the word that I would describe it. Yeah, um, it's when the interview finished, Rachel and I obviously were on the phone chatting and I was knackered. <laughs> I was so <laughs> tired afterwards. I, I couldn't sleep because it was just running through my mind. Like mm. I just had all these thoughts and I was just like, okay, I need a minute to like think about what, what I've just seen, what I've just heard. Um, because as you said there's a lot to cover a lot to cover there's a lot to cover so just for context we are recording this on the 9th of March which is a Tuesday we are in Britain so we only watched it on Monday night so this is the day after and in America they got to watch it on Sunday evening so I spent the whole day without my phone yesterday because I didn't want to be bombarded by social media and have the opinions of everyone in my head. I wanted to form my own opinion and I wanted to hear their story from their own mouths rather than from social media. But I know, Rach, you did it very differently. (laughs) Yeah, so I woke up really early. I think I woke up about five o'clock and I couldn't help go online straight away and obviously I didn't see the whole interview I would I only saw clips that had been shared um but I kind of got the gist of where the interview was going um and it was just like an anticipation until the night to see the whole thing in its entirety Mm. I want to give full transparency here and say that I'm the biggest fan of Oprah Winfrey that I've watched so many of her interviews from Lance Armstrong, Michael Jackson, Fergie, you name it, I've watched them. And I've been watching Oprah (laughs) since it was on Sky One way back when. And so I was actually very happy that they chose Oprah for the interview. I think there was points of it where I thought Oprah did have some leading questions. But the question, were you silent or were you silenced? Come on, that is just genius. Yeah, that was a quick, quick thinking on her part, I think. Um, but I think as we'll discuss, there were certain things that both of us didn't like about the interview and maybe how it's been edited down as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The way in which this podcast episode is going to run today is instead of going a play by play of the interview, we're going to split this up into sections and then we're going to talk about each of the topics that came up during the interview. From that point, if it's way, way long, which I'm sure we could talk about six hours on this uh, interview alone, um, possibly it might be 
one episode it might be part one and part two so I'm not quite sure how editing wise this is going to come out but um I think we should start with um oh, actually before we move on Rachel do you have any opening things you'd like to say before we get into the discussion I would just like to say we're not team Kate team Megan we're not about that we're not we're not children we're adults um and we just want to these are our, our own opinions and our own thoughts of what we've seen um everybody is entitled to their own opinion nobody is right or wrong um so that's what I would just like to put across at this point I completely agree and I think it's something that we our intention for this podcast is to have a balanced approach but also to have our opinion be voiced and heard to have the the good with the bad rather than just a rose-tinted spectacles view of the royals but I think another thing that I would like to add is it was wonderful to hear their side of the story and the end of the because it was a, a, a roller coaster of emotions watching the interview mm. and at the end of the interview I actually felt at peace with them as a couple like I'm just really happy that they have their happy ending if that makes sense so yeah there was that but then there's also bits that felt a bit disjointed and that's what we're going to talk about now so let's move into our first topic which is the institution versus the family so what came up for you with this Rach? So especially when Megan was talking about the institution she is talking about the people that are running the show basically they're the people that work behind the scenes they're the press people that work for the palace They're the private secretaries that work for the individuals of the family. So when she's talking about the institution, she is talking about those people. Now, when you're talking about the family, you're talking about the individual members. So Charles, William, Kate, Camilla, the Queen, for example. And I think it's important for people to remember there is a difference between the institution and the family because I think at one point there was a point that came up when Oprah said it you know it's the queen and Harry was like yeah but just because it's the queen she doesn't get to make the decision and I think that's really important to remember what did you think uh I don't think that the point of the institution versus the family was clear-cut in how it was explained yeah and especially for seeing as Harry comes from that world, mm. I think it would have been nice for her to say to him. So when you're talking about the institution, who are you talking about? When you're talking about the family, who are you talking about? Like you said, there was no there was no clear cut. This is the institution. This is the family. But also the family are the institution. So there's there's the black and white, the institution versus the family. And then there's the gray area because the family are still within the institution and the institution are still within the family. And this is an added layer to this question because it isn't just institution versus family. It's institution versus family versus duty. There was a few conversations that came up within the interview that mentioned the duty aspect. For instance, Megan did say that the royal family isn't like celebrity. It's not like the celebrity world. And for us to, from out the outside looking 
yeah. towards them. It looks really grand and it looks amazing. But celebrity have a layer of responsibility for their brand and who they are and what films they go to next and what music videos and who they're collaborating with. But they don't have a sense of duty. And there's a very different ball game. And I think that's what Megan was alluding to. I I really believe that that point wasn't as firmly set out as it should have been. For instance, you and I, Rach, we went to Buckingham Palace. We saw the Queen's coronation on the 60th anniversary. We saw the most beautiful coronation dress. But underneath that was her declaration, was her oath to her position, her duty. And just as it was signed, um, you could see that what that duty tells you as queen, as king, as the institution, it means you put the country above everything, above your wife, above your son, above your daughter, above your husband, above love and things that as a human being you would die for you have to put the country above that. And I don't think I really understood that until I saw the oath, until I saw that piece of paper with uh, the Queen's signature on it. Mm. And it reminded me of when I took my oath, uh, my vows on my wedding day and how important that was to me. And being crowned a monarch is one step above that. That means you're putting that position that identity the institution above everything that your heart screams you should be protecting and this is also a point that harry made within the interview with prince charles and prince william being stuck in that they're trapped Mm. what they're trapped in is the duty what they're trapped in is the tradition they're trapped in the fact that they will have to at one point sign their name and put themselves above all others because they are one from God and whether I mean I'm not a religious person so that really doesn't speak for me and my beliefs Mm -hmm. but the queen is the head of the church and she is like she's the one down from God am I saying this in the correct way yeah yeah so during the coronation she gets anointed um which obviously is when it was televised it was you know deeply religious aspect of the service that they made sure that the TV cameras were actually turned away for that point at that point um, because it is supposed to be the monarch and God together. Mm. This is where you've got institution versus family versus duty because we can only understand it as humans, as people who have never taken the oath have never had that tradition or the institution and being actually born into it. And so there is a heavy price to pay to be a royal. What Harry's saying is he was a spear. He's he's no longer the spear. He's, what, sixth in line now. Therefore, there won't be as much help, security or importance put on Harry because he's no longer as important as what he would have been in the eyes of the institution. Is that wrong? Absolutely. He's a human being. He deserves respect. He deserves love. He deserves to be um, supported. But in the eyes of the institution, he's the sixth most important, not the first. Whereas within the family, he's equally important. Yeah. 
So it was hard for me to listen and know that when Megan and Harry reached out for support, that support was not met. Yeah. And what we as viewers are looking at is, is it not met from an institutional standpoint with not being the most important? Or was it met on a family level? And I think what Megan and Harry actually said was it was all of those things. And that's why they felt so let down. So mm-hmm. when you bring in the duty aspect, Megan and Harry were still, they still wanted part of the duty. They just didn't want all the stuff that came with being the senior members of royal family. Yeah. He's well within his rights to say that. I think he is in his rights to say that. But I think as well, you know, you can't, you're a senior royal. And they were saying, we were talking about moving to maybe a Commonwealth country like New Zealand or South Africa, stepping back a bit like other members of the family. But you're the son of a future king. You're not just another, you're not Zara Tindall. You're not Princess Beatrice. You're the son of a future monarch. So you're not going to be able to step back in that sense Mm. because you're always going to be that person. I totally agree with, I agree with what they've done. It kind of felt like there was like one foot in, one foot out but you can't have it both ways. And that's where the institution was saying, no, you can't have it both ways. You made a very valid point on the phone after the interview. And you said that it was watching the breakup of a family and how upsetting that is. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was when um, Harry said he'd spoken to his grandmother, he'd spoken to his father until we stopped taking my calls and Oprah said he stopped taking your calls and he was like yeah now that's that's sad you know at the end of the day he's already lost his mother you know he the most important people apart from his wife and his children would be his dad his brother we you know until he got married they had a very good relationship or what we perceived as a good relationship so to know that that has broken down it's it's incredibly sad. And when he was talking about William, he said, you know, I, I love William to bits. So I always will. We've been through something monumental together as such. That, that's always going to be with them. But at this point, he was like, there's just space. So obviously, even now, they don't really have a relationship. And we're never going to know about that relationship. And I think when you were talking about the Oprah, um, her style of interviewing, I was a bit disappointed that she didn't actually push him on that because a lot of people to this day are like, but why don't they speak? There must be some reason why they don't speak. I really would have liked if she had asked that question. And maybe he wouldn't, he, maybe he wouldn't have said, we, we, you know, we, we don't know, but I would have liked her to have asked that. I think she, she may have asked, she, t- there were, um, she was quoted in saying that there's over three hours of footage. I think it was, I think she said three hours and 20 minutes worth of footage that was edited down to one hour and 25 minutes. Mm. So maybe she did ask it. Maybe he didn't answer it in the way that made sense or you just never really know, do you? Or maybe she didn't ask it. But I feel like if it was asked, that would have been a big topic of conversation within the interview. Because I think a lot of people want to know that. Yeah. 
I want to say a little tiny thing about my first thought when I was and I made notes when I was watching it. It wasn't just a passive watch. Obviously, we've got the podcast. We're going to talk about it. There was something about it for me that, that made me um, think of the Matrix film. Because the Matrix, it was Harry and Meghan were talking about not being part of the institution and coming out of the institution, coming out of this bubble, coming out of this feeling of being trapped, just like Neo in the Matrix. Like they'd woken up and they looked around and all everyone else was in the Matrix. And it was it was interesting. I don't know whether Megan, I, I, I think um, Oprah alluded to, did Megan save you from it? And then she was saying that Harry actually saved them her and Archie and um I thought that I was like oh does that mean does that mean Megan's a Morpheus or a Trinity (laughs) like I'm not quite sure what she was or maybe maybe Oprah was the Oracle who knows but what stands to reason here is the institution is Mr Anderson it's the computer programming Mm -hmm. that is being put in place and is is steadfast and is unchanging and is coded and is the rules and regulations and that's the way that it is the matrix is the matrix I don't know whether because I'm such a sci-fi girl and I love it was one of my favorite films it just came to mind exactly that waking up um uh, analogy and now having their freedom to just say what they want to say mm. because I did have the thought going into this interview why are they doing it like, why are they doing this interview? They said they want peace. They said they want they don't want press intrusion. Does this serve them? And actually watching the interview, I thought it was really a beautiful way of not only explaining their side, but also saying, this is our new life now. That feeling for me of, oh, why do they want more press? What else could they have done? How else could they have talked about the Matrix? Other than, you know, getting out of it. And that is getting out of it. It's more out of it than you can ever be. Being in Hollywood, talking to the queen of America, which is Oprah Winfrey. So for me, uh, that that came to mind for me, this whole matrix analogy. And I was happy for them. Um, Let's move on to probably one of the biggest topics of conversation that came out of the interview and everyone seems to be talking about is race. The racist um, undertones of the British media. Somebody from the royal family questioned the colour of Archie's skin, of how dark he would be. So Meghan obviously said what she said, like somebody said this to Harry. She then said, I'm not going to say who it is because it will be, I think she said it will be damaging to that person. I think those were the words that she used. And then when Oprah asked Harry about it, he said, I'm not going to disclose what was in that conversation or who it was with. So why bring it up? Because now everybody is is speculating who that person in the family was. I mean, we'll never know. They're never going to disclose who it is. But that is one of the biggest things that came out of that interview. We know for a fact that the British press, they will just go at you until that's it. And he was basically saying, you know, I had to get my wife, my son out of that situation because it was damaging to my mental health, her mental health, and probably in the long run, Archie's mental health. But the press are relentless and they would never be left alone. And I just think from this, 
the institution really needs to have a look at what what they're doing because they're Megan and Harry were saying we went to the institution for help so many times and we got told no we can't help you it will look bad on the institution at the end of the day they are people and they're saying we need help and they were turned away and that is disgusting it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter what family you belong to if somebody's asking you begging you for help then I just don't understand why why this why they would let that happen what's your thoughts um i think what you've said blends into not only race but also the mental mm. health aspect of it the unsupported nature of the institution um and so i'll take it back to race first and let's talk about that specifically and then i'll go into the other aspects um race it's undeniable. She did have an attack in the tabloids about her race. 100%. Undeniable. It was despicable, unfair, absolutely deplorable. I know we have the freedom of the press, but we also have a duty to not incite hatred. And that, like, I don't understand why the police ain't knocking on some of these people's people's doors and actually um, holding them to account. I don't feel like there's any accountability when it comes to the the press. And I don't mean that just for the royals. I believe that in every aspect. For instance, say if I was famous one one day and they could write anything they wanted to about me, there needs to be a a rhetoric within within our society of whether that is something that we want to be privy to. Fergie had it bad. Diana had it worse than Fergie, but still disgusting. Kate had it. And Meghan. The difference between these ladies is Meghan is a woman of colour. So not only did she get everything that Diana, Fergie and Kate had, she had race absolutely disgustingly put front and centre. There is no place for racism. I cannot say anything about the, and I, I guess this is me sitting on the fence here, so I'm sorry if I do this, but I believe if you spill tea, you have to have receipts because what's the point? In, in spilling tea, you're just like the tabloids. So for Harry and Meghan, and I'm not denying that it didn't happen, by the way, if they said it happened, I, I, I understand their point of view, but for them to not follow it up by who said it, and the context in which you said, but on the flip side of it, we are now having this conjecture about who it is. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not even thinking about who it is, you know? Um, and that's not because I'm trying to blindside myself. Oh, don't talk about anything negative by the Royals. Um, if is the institution racist? Well, you have to look thousands and thousands of years, no black royal family members um it's hard to say and I know if I think about it colonialism of course of course it is based on taking over and pillaging other countries and gaining um power notoriety and wealth from other countries you only got to go to the British Museum to see that but I believe them 
But I also yeah. believe if you're going to put it out there that somebody in the royal family is um, racist and that's it, full stop. It's, it's, it's like teetering on the point yeah. of, well, what's the point in talking about it? Because it's somebody's recollection of what somebody said, but we don't yeah. know who it is. And I think what comes into it as well is um, Megan said, you know, she, I mean, who who knew that the Royals had a HR department? <laughs> you know? Oh my goodness. She, I, I literally thought, oh yeah, there's a HR department. <laughs> of course there is. So yeah, so she's, she said that they went to HR, they spoke to senior members within the institution, asked for help. And obviously they was basically was told, well, this is just like how it is. Like we've all had to put up with this, like not in terms of the racist, but when, you know, the press, the intrusion, we've all had to put up with this. This is basically just your turn. And they're going, well, actually, no, because it's on a different scale. It's not the, yeah. And the bit that wasn't shown in the interview, but Oprah played clip on the Gail King show, was that Megan was comparing Kate's. So when Kate and William were together, Kate was called by the press, Weighty Katie, because she was waiting to marry Prince William. And she was saying, yes, that's awful like that must have been really hard for her but there's a difference between rude comments and racist comments and you know but again it's the press they're they're never gonna they're never gonna back down like and it, it is wrong like don't I'm not saying it's right it isn't it's not it's not right but the press are the press and they're always going to be the same I find it hard because I support Meghan and Harry. You support Meghan and Harry. We we were so excited for them get, to get married. We were so excited for her to join the royal family. And what do they do? The British press hound her just like they hounded Diana, just like they hounded Kate and Fergie. If to me, it just is. I'm so sad about it. I'm so sad. They have not learned their lesson because yeah. there's no accountability. I think it's hard for us to have the race conversation because Rachel and I are both white and not that our opinion doesn't matter, but we could only see it from the lens in which we're seeing it. You know, I'm very aware that white privilege does exist and I would love to have this conversation and understand other viewpoints from people of colour for you to come on and and be able to express yourself. this is about, you know, being able to have a platform in which you get to speak your truth. And I think that's super important. And that's why this interview was very important because the institution didn't want Meghan and Harry to have their say, which takes us into the mental health aspect of Meghan and Harry at the time. So what did you take away from the mental health conversation within the interview? So. I was shocked when she said that she had suicidal thoughts. Um, What we've got to understand is we can't comprehend what it is like on a daily basis to be spoken about in the press and for stories to be told when you know, or allegedly, this is what Megan, obviously this is Megan's point of view, you know that they're not true stories. 
but you can't do anything about it. You're going to your HR people, you're going to your advisors and you're saying, this isn't true, this isn't true. And they're saying, yeah, but we can't, we, we can't do anything about that. And so for her to say, I think she said she, she was at home for, I think, four months and a member of the family was like, you know, you should just stay in because you're everywhere in the press. And she was like, I haven't been out. Like I've literally been out for two days. We know what it's been like in lockdown. It's been horrendous, like being cooped up in the house. So I can't imagine like having to go out and then the press is everywhere, but you're being chased by the paparazzi yeah. constantly. Um, so for her, for that to be your daily life, the stories to be run about you, you're saying and you're knowing that they're not true, it, it would start obviously playing on your mind. And obviously that's what happened. Um, you know, and then she was saying, I had suicidal thoughts, which is horrendous in itself. Um, and I think it's really important that she did speak up about this because, you know, there's, you know, this whole big thing about mental health, um, how important it is these days, but she just wasn't getting the help that she asked for. But then on the flip side of that, Harry, Kate and William set up the charity Heads Together, which is a mental health charity, mental health campaign. What I don't understand is they have all these connections. She's saying she couldn't go out. It's not like I can just call an Uber to come to the palace. I think those were her words. But surely, especially Harry, would know people that work in those roles. Why couldn't he just say, you know, oh, Megan's Megan's having these thoughts. Can you come around? Why couldn't he get a counsellor to come to them, basically? That's what I'm trying to say. This is what I don't understand. If, if it got that bad, you're crying for help. I don't understand like how that they couldn't get help in that sense. I think we've got the, the perspective of hindsight here and also having a privy into their lives for just the hours in which they did the interview for these thoughts of suicide and then the duty so we're bringing the duty aspect into it as well there's no there's no room for mental health in the duty aspect you need to be switched on and it it, it was i found it really touching and really upsetting to hear that she felt suicidal it mirrored what we know of diana and diana had her issues with mental health. We've come a long way with mental health since the 1980s, but not far enough, I'm afraid. And it was upsetting to hear. And I thought really brave of Megan to talk so candidly and so vulnerably about her suicidal thoughts and how she was scared to be alone just in case some, you know, she might do something. It, it takes so much energy just to ask even the most dearest and love to you for help. So then to even go that st- stage further and then ask for help from the institution, that must have been just absolutely soul destroying. When Whenever you're going through mental health, it takes all of your energy, like every single part of your energy gets sucked from from having to deal on a daily basis, plus everything else is happening in her life. There's been a lot of change. She was pregnant. She she actually said in in the interview that she had the realization that this was her life, 
And how trapping must that have felt? It sounds really awful, but in a way, thinking of suicide is the freedom, is the way in which the brain copes from having such a retracting of everything she knows and all the identity and her freedom of of life. Everything that she knew about life was reduced down to rules and regulations and duty. That must have been really, really hard. Now, taking on board Harry's perspective, I agree with you, Rach. I I 100% agree that it's hard, isn't it? Because I don't want to blame Harry because of how his wife felt. And, you know, but did he do everything he could? I, I, it's hard, isn't it? Because basically what they said in the interview was the only way they would survive is to get out, is to get out of the matrix. But within that institution, he did create the Heads Up campaign with lots of people who could potentially have helped. The environment plays such a major role in our mental health. And if your environment is not healthy, and not only your home environment, but then outside the world environment, you just do not feel safe. You don't feel safe in your own home and you don't feel safe out there in the big wide world. Plus then the social media world and the press world, like there's so many layers and every single layer was a dead end. And even the people who, and she said this a lot in the interview, Megan said, that she believed them when they said that they were going to protect her. And why would she not believe them? They're the most powerful family in the world, or one of the most powerful families in the world. Why would they not protect her? I, I'm so happy that she spoke about her mental health. I'm so happy that she's given a voice to speaking up and being courageous. Yeah, And it shows that regardless of whether you're in a palace or you are on a minimum wage job at the moment, mental health affects every single person and your brain cannot deal with that amount of negativity. That's not what life is. And that's something that Megan and Harry were saying, that that's, it's, it wasn't the life that you've got the perception versus reality. And, you know, it's, it's a question that I've, I've pondered since watching the interview. And maybe it's a question that I can put to you now, Rach. Do we like the royal family or do we like the perception of the royal family? I think it's a mixture of both, isn't it, really? Because when you look back at history, the royal family have always, have always been there. So it's just an institution that we've always known. It would be strange knowing them and then if it was not there anymore, you know, what do you think? I think that we love the perception of the royal family. We love the grandeur. We love the steadfastness, the keep keep calm, carry on mentality. We love this stability. We love the fact that when we pick up a £10 note, the Queen's face is on it and she's on a stamp. Uh, those things would be weird if that didn't happen. And I wonder whether if we saw it for what it actually is and what Harry and Meghan were portraying in the interview, whether, how can I, how can I put this? 
if it was without bells and whistles and the queen was allowed to say what she wanted to say when she said it, then I think we would feel very differently. And not because we would hate the queen or would be against the queen, but it would be a very different scenario. You could tell this, well, this has been a very important example already when the queen mentioned that everyone should get the vaccine or she was pro-vaccine, the COVID vaccine. And there was uproar that she actually had an opinion about something. So do we actually uphold that institution? Do we expect more from the royals than the royals sometimes can give us? And do we put them in a pigeonhole and then they just perpetuate that cycle because they know there's pushback? And it's something that was brought up in the interview about uh, Oprah was like, well, she's the queen. You know, she can do what she wants. And then, as you mentioned earlier, Harry said, no, she's the queen, but she's still under the umbrella of the institution. And again, if being impartial as the royal family has served them, but maybe we need more humanity. Maybe we need the institution to give us more than we can handle. Um, and I say that because we can't even handle the queen saying she's pro-vaccine. <laughs> it's, you know, there's, there, there was uproar about that. And not just because anti-vaxxers um, attacked the queen, but just because they were like, well, she shouldn't tell us what to do. What did you think about when Oprah asked about Kate? There was this thing about you made Kate cry. And then Megan was like, actually, no, it was the reverse. She made me cry. It was on the run up to the wedding, um, Harry and Meghan's wedding. And, you know, there was a an incident with the flower girl dresses. You know, so much was going on at that time. She made me feel upset, but she apologised. She sent flowers, she sent a note. Um, like I kind of felt, why are you bringing somebody else into this? That's how I felt about it. Megan did make a point of saying she is a good person. I just felt like it was a bit uncalled for about bringing someone else into it. But obviously Oprah did ask that question. So I guess she mm. had to answer. My thought was, and I wrote it down on my notes, it's a little bit EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> and what I mean by that is it felt very dramatic. Like, hang on a second. No, she made me cry. No, I made her cry. No, it's the other way around. There's two points to this. First off, I don't know anyone anyone in my life that has organized a wedding and not had a bust up with a family member. It doesn't have to be like a massive ruckus, but you've got such high emotions and then put in into the mix, a Royal wedding, the stakes are even higher. So I was just like, Oh, okay, whatever. Kate made you cry. Not you making mm -hmm. Kate cry. Okay. And I, I, I want to brush that to the side because that's just, wedding and family remember we were saying about the family and the institution and that is just a family thing and obviously like like Megan said she sent me flowers yeah. we're over it I'm not going to talk about it now it's done I accepted her apology mm. the fact that we have to bring up here isn't Kate and Megan and this isn't me skirting over it like there's an argument whatever get over it it's the fact that number one the press said it was Megan rather than Kate and then number two, the institution did not back Meghan and Harry up when they said these are false um, things. You know it was Kate. Mm. So change it. Yeah. That's the point we should talk about. Not Kate and Meghan having a bit of a bust up before about 
about dresses, it, it sounds so so soap opery, you know, and it's real yeah. life. That's what happens. And I and I liked the fact that Megan said, um, if you love her, you don't have to hate me. And if you love me, you don't have to hate her. Like, why is it gotta be you like one, but you don't like the other? I love that when she said it because women are always pitted against each other. Mm. Always. And especially in the press, they need to bring you up to a certain level just so they can knock you down. Yeah. Build you up, build you up, build you up, knock you right down. Or they're waiting for you to fall. And they do this with women a lot, especially now we've got two senior, well, at that time, two senior members of the royal family, both beautiful women, both in a position of power, both one going to be the future wife of the king and another in a senior senior position of course they're going to piss each other because guess what that's what the tabloids do because they're like bullies in a schoolyard so that was our first podcast what did you think let us know you can follow us on instagram at keeping up with the windsors pod We'd love for you to follow us and to listen along on a weekly basis. And why not give us a five-star review and also spread the word because your word helps us build a community of people who are talking about the royals, good or bad. Let's just have a conversation about it. So thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you have an amazing day, whatever you're doing. Hopefully the weather's nice out there. And we'll see you again for episode two next week. Bye.